0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Well, I just want to welcome you. Um, Say aloha if you are new here or if you're not new here and you've been here forever or every single Sunday, we just are so thankful to worship with you, and it's just so good to be with you. Um, So look forward to meeting with you and exalting Christ with you guys every Sunday, and uh, so thankful that you guys are my church family uh, in Ohana. Um, If you don't know me, my name is Riz. I'm the pastor here at Reality. Uh, My beautiful wife leads worship over here. Her name is Zoe, and um, I have two kids. Eva, which is a six years old, girl, and uh, Liam, which is a three-year-old boy, um, and they didn't pull the fire alarm, even though that would be a pastor's kid type of thing to do. They didn't today, um, but we're glad you're here with us this morning. Um, if you've been with us for any amount of time, specifically like the last few months. Or last Sunday specifically, you know we've been in the book of Exodus. Um, we've been studying verse by verse, chapter by chapter for the last six months or so. And last Sunday, um, we finished teaching the wonderful book of the Exodus. And so it was amazing. And I'm excited to announce that we are, in the new year, we're going to be starting a new book that will systematically go through verse by verse... And just allow and pray that the Lord, by the power of his Holy Spirit, illuminate illuminates uh, the things of God in its pages. And that book is the book of Acts. So super excited. The Acts of the Apostles, um, the formation of the early church, the Holy Spirit Spirit um, descending and filling uh, believers, empowering and transforming ordinary, flawed men and women to be used by God in radical ways. So it's going to be very exciting, and we're going to see just the story of how the good news of Jesus Christ goes forth from a little corner uh, of the Middle East in Israel to Europe with the trajectory ultimately leading to the ends of the earth, which here in Hawaii we are recipients of what starts in the book of Acts. And so, very exciting. Um, So... You should be reading the Bible anyway, but if you have more time, extra time, if you're doing an Advent devotional, do that. But your homework, if you choose to do it over this winter break before the new year, is read the book of Acts. Dig into it, pray that God would speak to us, and get excited for that in the new year. But in the meantime, before we're there, because we're not there yet, can't skip this Christmas season, um, we are in the season that the church, big C, universal, globally, traditionally, likes to call Advent, right? Advent means arrival. It's the season usually from December 1st through Christmas Day in which we as Christians can pause, reflect, and remember the beauty and the marvel that is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, right? And we don't choose to celebrate this season, like, out of any religious obligation. You know, it's not for tradition's sake. It's not for, like, because we should and we have to or we need to as a church, but rather we do it by choice and, like, by, with gladness because we want to reflect and spend time pausing to reflect upon the greatest gift the world has ever been given. Way better than anything that's wrapped on that table, right? Way better than anything that's under our tree or that we can give someone else. In this Advent season, we celebrate the incarnation, right? The, The incarnation being God coming in flesh to dwell amongst us, right? As a baby in a manger who would live to die to save us, So for the next three Sundays, um, leading up till Christmas, we're going to look at how the incarnation um, affects the world and affects us. So we're going to look at in Jesus we find joy, in Jesus we find hope, and in Jesus we find peace. So today, to start us off, we're going to look at the unshakable, everlasting, glorious joy that is found in Christ. Uh, Join with me as we pray for this time. Father God, we want to come before you and say you are good. You're a good father who gives good gifts. We know that primarily with the gift of your son. That even while the world was at odds and in rebellion and in sin, while we were still sinners... God, you sent your son to live to die for us. And so we want to celebrate that this season. We want to pause in the midst of all our parties and Christmas parties for our jobs and our family and all the shopping and all the everything. We want to pause and reflect and remember what's most important this season. And so... God, would you lead our time this morning and speak to us this Advent season? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in the Gospel of John, right, which details the life and the public ministry of Jesus, there's a section of chapters, specifically John 14 and 15, where Jesus is discussing Just a myriad of things with his disciples, with his followers, with the crowds. And he's telling them everything from that they should be comforted. He's comforting them. He's telling them of the Holy Spirit, which is to come, which we'll see in the book of Acts. Uh, He describes the unity that is in Christ and the importance of relationship, of being in union with Christ. He speaks of the Father's love and also what he does is he speaks of the joy that he has from his father, right, God in heaven, and that we that if we as believers remain in Christ, we too will receive as well that joy. And it goes on further to say that our joy will be made complete. I want to read that section a couple of verses to you, John 15:10 through 11. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is Jesus speaking, communicating to his twelve, but meaning that every follower that was in Christ could receive the joy of the Father, just as Jesus Christ had the joy of the Father. Here's what I want to point out: when we think of Jesus, if we were, if you were to be asked to describe Jesus, you would maybe say, right? Some options would be. Well, well, Jesus, he's merciful, he's kind, he's forgiving, he's gracious, he's powerful, and all those things are true and wonderful. But perhaps joyful maybe wouldn't be at the top of the list. It's not because he's not joyful, but the joy that exudes in Christ may just be eclipsed by all the other incredible facets of our God's character. You know... So many times God is, is um, described as when you look at a diamond, you know, that's, that's new and cut and polished and in light, it radiates different light in the room. And you, if you look at a diamond in different ways, there's different facets. And um, God is so wonderful, incredible. He's like that, where you look at him and he's, wor- he's, he's merciful and he's kind and he's gracious. Um, but sometimes we, we don't even know that he's full of joy as well. We can can fail to even see that. That in the character of our God is perfect, unchanging joy. And this joy is pure and wonderful and amazing and it's inexpressible. And the joy that is in Jesus is not circumstantial or conditional. Um, This is a joy, it's a gladness that isn't tainted or fake. Um, It's a joy that's uninterrupted, unshakable, and everlasting. This is the joy of our God. It's so unlike anything that we maybe have ever seen or experienced. It's that pure. It's that wonderful. And Jesus Christ, right, born of a virgin in a manger, is God, that God that we spoke of. There was was this Inexpressible joy. He's that God that steps in and now he's in flesh. He's in perfectly God and perfectly human all in the same moment. And what Jesus is, or who Jesus is, is the exact representation of God the Father. There's no lack. There's no wanting. There's no difference, so to speak. Hebrews chapter 1 describes this truth. Says this. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory, and look at this, and expresses the very character of God. And He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. When He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So in Christ is the joy of God, the Father. And while Jesus is sitting with his followers here in the Gospel of John, he speaks that in relationship with him, God's joy can be our joy. That's what he's saying here. I am an exact representation of God, the Father. I express his very nature. And You, being in relationship with me, can experience the fullness of God's joy yourself. This is incredible. God's joy can be our our joy. And remember, this joy is not mere happiness. That's not what it's saying here. Happiness is, as we all know, very fleeting and extremely fragile and circumstantial. Right? Happiness is absolutely like a roller coaster. You're having the best time. This is the most amazing ride ever. And then you get really sick and you throw up. Right? Happiness is here now and then gone in a moment. Like if you were to recall some days, some of our days are really hard, but they're really good. Oh, Got that. Oh, that happened. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's not. Happiness is so fragile. You can be doing so well, and then all of a sudden something happens, and then you're just like, no more happiness, right? But that's not, that's not the joy of God. It's not what we're talking about here. See, God's joy is more like a lasting gladness and like a deep inner elation. Like it's, it's something that does not fade it does not go away, but it's grounded, and it's lasting, and it's unconditional. It is not circumstantial in any way. It's very different than our perception of being happy. Or even when we say, oh, that was a joyful moment in our life, or that was, that was joyous, we probably aren't talking about the pure, undefiled, unwavering, unspeakable joy that's, that's our God's joy. And for those of us in here, we may be listening to this, this joy that we can have it, and you may be saying, you know, that, that, that may have been true in little Israel 2,000 years ago in this cute little Bible tale, but the world has changed a lot. Like, have, have, have you seen the news? Have you opened Instagram? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's really bad. And I will be the first to admit that it may be the hardest time to find joy. Like, lasting gladness that there's ever been. Like, it is just, we hear about every bad thing in a moment. It's really hard to hold on to joy. But, but, that does not change the fact that Jesus came, and one of the facets of his glorious coming was to bring joy to a very dark and brutal, sad, and weary world. Right? Luke 2, 8 through 11, the story, the proclamation of the, the birth of our Savior, it says this. In the same region, speaking of the birth of Christ, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of what? Great joy, which will be for who? All the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in cloth um, laying in a manger. The joy of Jesus is for all peoples. None of our stories, none of our lives, none of what we've gone through, like excludes any of us. So how do we experience this, right? How do we walk in this? Well, as John 15 said, it is all rooted in relationship, right? So when we're in Christ... We get, we experience, we're given, we're shown, and we're changed by the character of God. When we're in Christ, when we believe, when we, when we come into the fullness of who God is and we surrender and we give up our, our, our rights and say, God, it's no longer my life. It's, it, if it's yours, I want to be led by you. I surrender, I give up. You're God, I'm not. When we come into relationships, we get to experience, we're given, we're shown, we're changed by the character of God, and in this case, the pure, undefiled, magnificent joy. And I believe what it comes down to, uh, in theory is simple. In theory is simple, um, harder to walk out, but I think it comes down to two things. It's truth and its presence. Truth and presence. Let me explain. So truth, as a start. In order to know and experience the joy of God, which we've just been describing, well, we first need to know and trust in the truth of who God is and what he did for all peoples. That would be the cross. That would be death upon the cross for the sins of the world. Right? It starts there with the truth of who God is and what he's done for us. And Why? We can have joy in the most scary, deadly, sad, and broken world to state a few reasons is because of the truth of who God is and what he's done. For instance, in Christ, listen up, our failures don't define us. That's crazy. In Christ... Our mistakes don't make us. That is true because of the cross. Our sins have been forgiven as far as from the east as from the west, past, present, and future. In Christ, our failures don't define us, our mistakes don't make us. Our relationship with Christ is what defines us. That can bring us joy. In Christ, our sin is forgiven. Like, to "I it's finished. It's done with. We don't just always have to, like, be trying harder to be better people. Jesus did that on the cross. He took, upon, took the penalty of sin upon the cross for us. In Christ, we're loved and we're cared for deeply, wholly, unconditionally. These are truths that will bring joy. I mean, think about it. In Christ, the reason why we, be, we can be joyful in this world, another reason is death doesn't have the final word. It doesn't. This world isn't all there is. Like, we have joy in the present because one day in the future, all will be made right. That's why in the midst of anything that we go to, How we walk in joy, how we live out of joy, is that we stand upon these truths. Where we get into trouble is when we don't remember, we don't believe, we don't trust in, we don't acknowledge that this is truth. This is truth. And we stand on these biblical truths of who God is and what his thoughts and heart is towards us. That's how we access and and, and live in joy despite our circumstances. Remember, not happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Joy supersedes any circumstance that we can ever go through. But what is very quick to rob us from this joy, and I think we'd be lying if, if all of us didn't admit to struggle with this. Honestly, it's comparison. Comparison is the killer of joy. That's what I mean by that. We all compare our own lives to other people's lives. And man, I'm sorry, but social media only fuels this. Feed after feed. It only tapes your thumb, right? Flip, flip, flip. It's other people's lives. You only see the best part of people's lives anyway on Instagram. You've got to know that. It's not really what's happening. But at the same time, we only see the good parts. We compare what others have, their wealth, their possessions, their spouse, their family, what stage of life they're in, if they have a house or not, you name it. We as a people are so prone to compare. And if we're not careful, it will form us. Joy won't, God won't, but comparison will. It'll drive us. It'll form us. And instead of being formed from who God is and who we are in Christ as our identity, we'll be formed by the want, the envy, the jealousy, the comparison, the what we don't have. And comparison will get you the quickest to take your joy away than anything else. And it can seem like even like seasons like we're in, Christmas seasons, they can actually be the hardest all year for, for a lot of us, whether that's family dynamics, whether that's drama that just surrounds, whether it's like all, the, Thanksgiving weekend is like unbelievable now. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Local Business Saturday, or like, I don't even know. There's too much. There's just, I, I can't, I, I, I like everybody, but I can't do this anymore, guys. <laughs> I can't do this. But in this season, like where there's stuff and possessions, there's a lot of like, I don't have that. I can't get that. And sometimes in this season, man, we can be really down. Whether it's seasonal, whether it's tragedy or heartbreak, like it's a really hard season. And even in, when we're at, like at a really down point, really low point, even truth is hard to stand on and hold on to. And we all know this, right? It can be like a really bad day or something really hard happened and someone's trying to like speak truth or encouragement into your life. And you're like, I understand that intellectually, but I can't even get there. I feel what I feel. I'm at where I'm at. It doesn't even affect me. I know those are true things. It doesn't, it's not working right now. Like we can be so hurting that we may know the truth, but it just doesn't change anything. We can be in those really dark, hard places. That's why. I believe it's critical that, in conjunction with the truth of who God is, that the presence of the living God in our lives is so critical and necessary to find joy. Like it's more than just knowing it. It's 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 crucial that we know it, but it's more. It's more fuller in that. This is what I this is what I mean by that. This is what I talk about when I talk about presence. This is the beauty of the incarnation, that God stepped out of heaven to earth and came to us, and he stepped into our mess. And see, what defines and sets apart Christianity to every other religion is that we don't have to try and get to God or somehow attain to some level of morality to get closer to God. God actually came to us. I recently heard um, this incredible, you know, illustration that spoke of this. There was a few people, and they were talking about different religions. They were all representations of different religions. And they were kind of talking about how there's really similarities to our religions. And, you know, this God is on top of a mountain, and uh, there's different roads up the mountain. And we may do things differently, but we're all going to get to God. All roads lead to God. And the Christian in the group said, "Uh, I see where you're going with that. But the reason why Christianity is very much different is that God that you spoke about actually came down that mountain and he met us. He came in the form of a baby in a manger. He came and lived as a man in this sinful world to come get us. He came after us. We didn't have to go get to him. It's very different. All roads do not leave to God. God sent his son to us. And so, when our God comes to us as this baby in the manger that we celebrate, he came to break down the dividing wall of all peoples with God's presence. Remember, sin, book of Genesis, first couple pages of the Bible. Humanity, creation was in God's presence. Everything is good. No need Jesus come and like go die on the cross. There's no need. But then, sin messed everything up. And primarily what it did is it removed humanity from God's presence. No longer could holy, righteous, wonderful, amazing God be with a sinful people. Big problem created. What Adam and Eve did in the garden, we still, what the book of Romans would say is we still are paying for it, so to speak. Our sin has separated us from the presence of God. Without that fixed, there's no way that we can experience the fullness of God's joy. And so you have to see when what Christ did by dying on the cross was repairing the broken relationship that sin caused. And what that did was it gave us access to the very presence of God once again. That's why it's, like it's full circle. That's why the, the, the biblical narrative is full circle. It start, what started in, in Genesis was the picture of how it was supposed to be. Sin messed it up. We're trying to figure it out a whole bunch of myriad different ways. It wasn't working. God sent his son to die on the cross to fix it, to bring it back to what started in the garden. That's why the story of Christmas, the birth of our Savior, is key. To the entirety of all of creation that will ever be. In Psalm 1611. It says. You will make known to me the path of life. This is the psalmist speaking of God. In your presence is fullness of what? Joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So in God's presence is the fullness of joy. It's pure and undefiled and unshakable and inexpressible. And so what happens when we're restored to relationship with God through Jesus, supernaturally, God can now bestow joy when none should exist. Meaning, when your circumstances say that you should not be joyful, Logically, you shouldn't be feeling joy because there's something happening in your life or your family or your workplace or your bank account. You know what I'm saying? It's not working. This is not good. I should not be joyful. Well, supernaturally, because you are in Christ, God wants to give you joy despite the circumstance. This is what God does. He turns mourning into dancing. He replaces sorrow with gladness. This is what God does. If the incarnation wasn't already miraculous, right, after 33 years, Jesus living, public ministry, Jesus dies, he rose again, he ascends to heaven, and then what happens? God gives the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit to us to live in us. We we now not only have God with us, we have God in us. Literally, God dwells in us. Now, the fruit of Jesus' work on the cross, along with the transformative power of the Holy Spirit in us, you know what happens? It begins to change us. It begins and it continues to change us. It actually rewires us. The Bible says that actually we're born again. We start over and we begin to bear fruit that declares, that shows the character of God. Like all of a sudden, our lives start looking like God, like Jesus. Like like it doesn't look like our own. Our sin, our past, our mistakes haven't made us. But God is now rewiring us to become like him. And part of that is joy because God is full of it. Galatians 5.22, Paul writing to the church in Galatia, he tells them the fruit of the spirit in your lives, the result of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life, it's going to bear fruit. And that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But again, those aren't just outward actions. These now are defining character traits coming from a new foundation and a new identity in Christ. Okay, so like pull back for a second. I'm like going to wrap it up right now. What this means is that God is in us, and what does he desire? That we are now founded and grounded from a place of pure, lasting joy. That Emmanuel, God with us, is at work in us to now operate in an unwavering and unspeakable joy. You may be sitting here and, and, and you may be thinking, that's great and that's good. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what's going on. And I want to speak truth right now and say joy in each of our lives, no exceptions, is not a dream and it's not unattainable. It is a part of who God is and because of Christ, it's meant to be ours. Not only can it be, it's by design that it's supposed to be ours. This Advent season, I want to like beg of us together to pause and remember Jesus, to know and walk in these truths, and to have the incarnation form us into the image of God that we were created in, and to live and operate in joy that we get from our God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. That we don't have to run up the mountain to get you. That you saw that we were broken and blind and hurting and far from joy. And You sent your son to come to die to fix what was broken. And what was broken is a lack of joy. That was part of it. And you want to do a deep work in all of our hearts that we would operate in joy despite circumstances. God, you would actually even desire that we would rejoice always in every circumstance that we would be glad. For some of us in here, God, that is so hard to even think about. So Holy Spirit, would you in Christ In God's presence, we want to to know that. We want to experience. We want to walk in that. So God, not only let us hold on to truth, but just by your presence, by oneness and unity and communion, we want to know you and experience the fullness of joy that is who you are. Do that, God. We pray that specifically this Advent season. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.